Welcome to Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Stephen Forsay. He's the co-founder of Grubel Forsay, a watch company. This is Technotopia. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York, that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com. Welcome back to Techtopia podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have someone very, very unique, uh, Stephen Forsey. He's a watchmaker and the co-founder of Grubel Forsey. And Stephen, welcome to the show. This is uh, one of my favorite topics. I'm glad you're here to talk to us. Thank you. Thank you, John. Great to be with you today. <laughs> so I want, so usually we have on the show guys who, who are trying to take us to Mars uh, and I think what you guys are trying to do is try to push the envelope when it comes to mechanics. Would you, would you say that's correct? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, mechanical watchmaking is a story that's uh, already uh, started over 500 years ago to precisely measure the passage of time. And, um, and then if we look back now, sort of 40, 45 years with the advent of electronic watches, suddenly there was uh, all research and development on the mechanical side pretty much stopped dead. So with Robert Grobel, watchmaker and myself, now end of the 90s, so going back 18 years now, um, we, were, we were thinking, well, you know, it would be perhaps the story's not finished and perhaps we can uh, start to rebuild that know-how and uh, maybe push the envelope because a mechanical watch as a mechanism has uh, you know, a number of advantages over, over electronics in certain situations. Why don't you describe those, uh, those advantages? Because I think our listeners are used to microchips. They're, they think that the, uh, the idea of a mechanical watch might be a little bit old fashioned. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, um, you know, it's something very traditional, but there on that side, you've got, um, in terms of technology, you've got a mechanism which is autonomous, so you can uh, rewind it, so you're really off the grid, which is um, already very interesting and pertinent even today. Um, and you've also got the uh, the possibility, uh, you know, we've we had um, a mechanical watch into into space already in uh, early space missions, so you know they can also work in a in a low gravity, uh, uh, low atmospheric environment. Um, and um, and then beyond that, we can you know we've been able to demonstrate at Global Forsey uh, an interesting uh, you know well actually a, a fantastic level of uh, precision in terms of chronometry so precision timing mm -hmm. so these are some of the elements and then mechanical watchmaking is a very unique mix of science and art so um, you know there's this there's this history there's materials we're working. Uh, of course, with a tiny package of energy, which we're then trying to uh, make uh, work for as long as possible. And that's in your basic mechanical watch with just uh, hours, minutes, and perhaps seconds uh, displayed. But um, beyond that, we can also uh, add additional mechanisms, which, um, which still find uh, a resonance and, uh, you know, stronger and stronger. 
with uh, a young audience who's grown up with uh, a, a totally tech environment, um, that they're also interested in this cultural and historical uh, facets and, and aspects of watchmaking. So you guys make some very complicated watches. These aren't these aren't watches that you pick up at the uh, even at some of the the, the, the middle end stores. These are these are fairly rare and fairly uh, uh, complex things. Why did you guys decide to make things like a double tourbillon? Uh, the tourbillon mm. being the yeah. little balance wheel that spins, and in this case, it actually turns around in a full circle, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean. Um, so, you know, from our perspective as watchmakers, as we mentioned, well, we, we didn't, we'd lost a lot of know-how in the watch industry through that electronic watch crisis. So uh, one of the first things Robert and I did was to set up a, a laboratory in-house where we started to build data. Every uh, separate movement that we design and build uh, is uh, adding to a, a, a large graph of experiments, which uh, enables us to unravel the mysteries and the and the fun, finesse of um, friction, of tribology, of materials, of uh, mechanics, and so on. So um, the tourbillon is an interesting mechanism because it's a little bit like ourselves as a human. Our heart, uh, if we sit still and we're very calm, then the heart rate is going to stay pretty stable. But as soon as we move, then the heart rate will change. It will become uh, faster. So in the mechanical watch, the heart of the mechanical watch is this balance wheel system with a spring, which is like a small heart itself. And that, depending on whether the watch is on your wrist or in your pocket, is going to be influenced by and the environment around it. So um, it becomes an interesting uh, technical and scientific challenge to try to uh, protect the balance wheel, try to stabilize it in all different situations. And there, our work, um, primary work in the, from the late 90s into the early 2000s, notably, in tourbillons, so to build uh, this uh, heart of the movement into a rotating cage or uh, multiple rotating cages uh, enabled us to push the envelope of precision mechanical timekeeping and uh, to offer that to collectors and you know bring back something and say well you know perhaps not everything has been invented but i'm never going to take a triple tourbillon up to mars right well, Make. why not? You know, I mean, uh, our uh, yeah, I mean, uh, our double tourbillon thirty degree technique, the the caliber, uh, is a piece which we entered a precision timing contest in Switzerland. So we gave a complete watch, which uh, you know, you were talking about them not being available everywhere. It took uh, eleven months of man hours to build one watch itself. Um, and uh, that goes for our whole collection. So we took one piece, we gave it to this uh, independent uh, body who set up this precision timing contest. So they put it through uh, a bunch of endurance tests of different temperatures, different positions, different uh, environments. They exposed them to magnetic fields. And uh, they also used a robot arm to uh, shock test them as well. So despite all of those, um, all of those our piece uh, not only survived, it worked uh, through the whole contest, but we maintained a precision between just 0 0.3 and 0 0.8 seconds a day over the whole contest. So that was, um, for us, that was a fantastic result. Of course, up front, we were pretty sure we could deliver the goods on the, on the day in the test, but you never know. It's a bit like uh, an, in, an endurance uh, motor race in the States, the Indy, the Indy 500. So uh, you can have 
you've even got a driver there and today you've got telemetry and all sorts of uh, fantastic tools but uh, at the end of the day your your car might break down there may be some unforeseen situation which comes up so our piece uh, survived it uh, won the uh, tourbillon category at the concord of chronometry and it also uh, has given us the uh, the most fantastic um, uh, boost and validation of our, our primary work in this area of the tourbillon wow excellent so let's go a little bit to the so we, uh, basically we're basically we're waiting for that invitation uh, for one of our collectors <laughs> to take a piece up there you know all right I'll, so why not let's, could be let's, exciting let's get elon musk he'll, he'll he'll put it on one of his robots and they'll send it up that could be that could do it yeah so so just a few more a uh, few more questions so the the watch industry as a whole is having a few issues would we agree i think in terms of sales well, yeah, yeah. i mean you know the, it's uh, watch industry has gone through incredible growth you know years 15 20 years um many large brands have tripled their their production so um We've seen uh, that is a response to a huge resurgence of uh, interest and enthusiasm for the mechanical watch in all its different forms. Um, but of course, you know, this is something you can't, uh, even in the tech industry, can't have double digit growth forever. It's never going to, you know, it's not sustainable. So, um, so there has been a leveling out of, uh, of perhaps of the, the demand as uh, the offer and the capacity of the industry has been built up to to be able to reach that. So the so the thinking is that they had they had so much build up that they have now they have to they have to drop down just a titch to to match the demand that has that is current, right? Well, I think that's part of it, but I think also um, you know have to remember that um, we're, we're talking about an emotional project. We're talking uh, about uh, culture, history. Uh, certain artistic aspects. So there's elements there. Also, global forces. Why we travel a lot. That's why I'm in New York these these days because collectors want to meet us. They want to know about the story. They want to see the pieces firsthand, um, and uh, they want to feel wanted and needed. And uh, and so some perhaps some part of the watch industry has become very product oriented. And uh, perhaps they built up too much uh, in the way of stocks. So, you know, they, they need to really listen to the collector. They need to be creative um, and, uh, and really, really uh, bring proper original and uh, dynamic stories to, uh, to, to the public, to the collector, to the watch enthusiast. You know, it's, um, we're looking today, it's interesting because we're looking at a new generation, what we tag as millennials, perhaps. Um, these are people who've grown up with technology. We we have some collectors also in uh, the tech areas uh, in the U.S. and in other locations who um, are tech industry, but they've got this fascination for mechanics, often with an engineering background, um, and so they get to a point where they want to complete their experience across the board. So it's um, you know so for us these are these are ideal. Uh, uh, watch enthusiasts to meet with and to to share our story. So what what is the uh, what is the story for the next generation of watch enthusiasts? What should they be looking at? Why why should they even care about a mechanical watch? Mm. Well, as we said, you know, a mechanical watch is uh, is an emotional uh, investment or purchase, and uh, and yet it's something we build a story with. That you know, if you want to offer 
a gift to um, uh, to a nephew, to uh, your future wife, husband, etc. Or uh, you know, then um, it's something which tells a story. It's a connection between us. It's uh, this cultural historical side, and uh, most uh, the watches built today or in the last uh, 20, uh, 20, 30 years, uh, you know, again, uh, pretty much all of them have the potential to, to be able to survive for decades, perhaps hundreds of years. So, you know, it's, um, there's, a, there's a very strong link there, but um, the collectors will be looking for uh, credibility, authenticity. You know, this is something, again, where as we've become much more connected around the world, I think we all look for uh, that more uh, sincere, proper authenticity in uh, whether it's uh, food, uh, the, the food we eat, the you know the uh, vegetable products, the meat, the meat that we buy. We want to know where it comes from. We want that authenticity. And so I think um, you know these are things which the informed consumer and collector, uh, watch future watch enthusiasts are really. Um, you know they're really looking for, and they and um, it's something that corresponds totally with the global force story already now since uh, right before we launched. So going back those 18, when I started out with the idea to create a truly authentic, uh, very special, highly finished, highly technical, uh, and yet reliable and hopefully um, aesthetically appealing uh, timepiece each time. So. Our tourbillons were a very important, groundbreaking work there, where we were completely way ahead of the of the uh, general uh, of the general state of uh, of the technique. Um, and then we've come further with uh, such pieces as the perpetual calendar, which we launched just uh, over two years ago now. And um, our mechanical perpetual calendar is programmed till the uh, till the year 2100. So. You know, we talk to, we talk about smart technology today, but this piece is totally autonomous, and so it's uh, hand wound, and yet uh, the calendar is so easy to set. Uh, you suddenly have a high complication uh, uh, wristwatch timepiece, which has got an exquisite level of craftsmanship, expertise, and finish. Uh, and yet, in terms of the practicality, uh, we've actually called it a smart watch for. Or disconnected people <laughs> so you're off the grid but you're completely autonomous there and you can just change through it's got a rapid correction which corrects all of the calendar totally mechanical so it's uh, it's a very exciting piece but you you really need to see one and have it firsthand uh, uh, with you to to be able to really um, start to grasp the the level we had to go to with our engineer with our technicians using all of our expertise to to the very limit to uh, create this um, this very exceptional timepiece. All right, Stephen. Hopefully, there's no Y2K problem that you have to uh, that you have to deal with on that watch. Or else you'd have to. Well, yeah. <laughs> we have to. <laughs> no, we're going to. Well, the year 2100 is interesting because the uh, Gregorian calendar has a 400-year cycle. So okay. there is a small adjustment there to change the century <laughs> indicator. But um, you know, by between now and then. Probably the, the collector might like to have one or two uh, services. So, you know, it'll be, it's an interesting task to see. We'd all be there to see it. You never know. You never know. You never know. All right, Stephen Forsey, thank you very okay. much for joining us. Uh, it's Thanks been a real pleasure. Much. Great right. talking to you. Thank you. <laughs> bye bye. Technotopia is brought to you by Typewriter. Typewriter is your on-demand editor, and their amazing team of writers will make your book, chapter, blog post, or email shine. 
Typewriter editors come from places like TechCrunch, Gizmodo, and the New York Times, and they offer low bulk rates for longer work. Check it out at typewriter.plus. That's typewriter.plus.